When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Please welcome Pamela Anderson. Did you know anything at all about Mr. Lee before you met him? I knew he was the drummer for Motley Crue. Did you find him attractive? I like to smile. I still do. We're so good together, Pamela. To everlasting love. We have recently come into possession of a piece of material. And I would do anything for love. This is so private. It's like we're seeing something we're not supposed to be seeing. Nobody's ever getting rich off a celebrity sex tape. What if we sold it someplace nobody could find us? A website. A website? It's this thing on the computer. People will order the tape directly from us. Wow, you are so hot. What the hell is this? I won't do How many copies of this are out there? Could be dozens. Pirated copies are spreading up all over the web. You don't seem to understand what a big deal this is. I'm on that tape just the same as you. But this is worse for me. How is this worse for you? Everyone wants me beautiful and perfect. Is that how you feel? Like you have to please people? It's all I do. Emmy contender Pam and Tommy is the Hulu miniseries that follows the marriage of Pamela Anderson and Molly Crew drummer Tommy Lee and their notorious sex tape. To take us behind the scenes, in this episode, we're joined by editor Tatiana S. Regal, who reteamed with her longtime collaborator, Craig Gillespie, to make this series. Her work with Gillespie also includes 2007 comedy Lars and the Real Girl, Disney's Cruella, and I, Tanya, the dark comedy about Tanya Harding, for which she earned an Oscar nomination. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to the Hollywood Reporters Behind the Screen. Hi, Tanya. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hello, Carolyn. So for starters, you've you've worked with Craig Gillespie many times, but um, let's talk about this project in particular. Um, what were your thoughts when he brought you the script and you had an opportunity to read it? Uh, my initial thoughts were, number one, it's just such an amazing story. I knew it was going to be exceptionally entertaining. Um, uh, but for Craig to be attached to it, I knew that there was going to be a certain emotional level um, to it that I knew would be intriguing in addition to his sort of comic sense and his ability to sort of walk back and forth between those two um, places in a, in a lovely way. Um, 
then the next thing I, my next thought was Lily James. <laughs> I was very surprised by that uh, until I saw the first photograph. Um, he was at a photo shoot and, and showed me the first photograph. And I right away was like, oh, this is fantastic. It's a photograph that's been out with, uh, with Lily and Sebastian where they just both um, are just perfect. And obviously I knew Sebastian from I, Tanya, so I, had, I was very excited to work with him again. Um, and th those were sort of my very first initial thoughts. Speaking of I, Tanya, that was another film that was, you know, obviously based on a true story and mm -hmm. you had to walk a fine line in the tone. Um, was there anything that you took away from I, Tanya that you brought to this project as far as your approach? Absolutely. I actually find them kind of similar, the two, uh, the, the two, uh, stories in that, um, I think that they're both very misunderstood uh, because of the length of time. You know, a lot of people either didn't know anything about it um, or had a preconception of what the stories were going to be. Um, obviously, often a very judgmental preconception about the story. And I think it's just a really interesting and unique thing to um, introduce people to what happened um, again in its own way. And um yeah, obviously, then there are the other similarities in terms of lots of music and and the style that Craig wanted to do this, which was a lot of fast moving camera and um, and humor uh, mixed with this really uh, very emotional and moving um, story about you know these two women, whether it's Tanya Harding or Pam Anderson. Right. There were a few different, obviously a few different perspectives in this. Let's talk about the perspective of Pam Anderson. For her scenes, what, what did you want to convey about her and how did you want to shape her performance and her story? Well, a lot of it obviously is, is defined by the script and that's the jumping off point um, in terms of, you know, the broader themes of fame, of, of um, how women are treated versus men. Um, a love story that is very unusual and not typical. Um, and I think that those things, those are the things that I really liked about the, the scripts, the first three episodes that I read um, early on. Um, and that I thought were just going to be really fun, you know, just a really fun, challenging show to cut. One of those more surprising scenes maybe was the one when she introduces Tommy to the King and I, mm -hmm. which they're watching one night. Do you want to talk about that and how that shaped her her story? Well, I think that was a, a, a very unique situation. So the, the first three episodes of the series are a little different. Sort of the overall structure of the series is a little different than one what what one might originally expect. The first episode is very much about uh, Seth Rogen's character, the carpenter who, you know, is, is being screwed over by Tommy Lee and that story. The second episode goes back in time and it's just about Pam and Tommy and how they met and fell in love in this whirlwind of a weekend. Um, and then the third one sort of gets back into the, to both of their stories. And, and that's where the rest of the series kind of picks up. And then you get into uh, this much more emotional um, storyline of what's happening to Pam, um, both of them. But I, I feel, or at least how I interpreted it, it was sort of more the, the Pam story. And it was very unique because, you know, the way I came involved in the show was um, through Craig, with whom I've worked a lot for 14 years or so. And 
I was very interested in it and stuff. And I really wanted to do, he was going to direct the first three episodes. Uh, I had another commitment, so I couldn't stay for the rest of the show. So it was very interesting because I sort of came in very, you know, in this very in-depth way for the first three and then became an audience member for the rest of the series because I read any of the scripts and I didn't see them until they aired. So I had this really unique um, position of getting to enjoy both perspectives, um, which was really quite fun, <laughs> actually. Um, so uh, anyway, back to The King and I, I think that that particular scene was a real pivotal turning point emotionally in the story uh, because you it's at the end of the second episode and you've really... Um, you've gotten to, to now know how they met and how they fell in love. And you are sort of in, in that pocket for that. Um, and yet this is a really unusual scene to have them, to have a character like Tommy Lee watching this musical. She's so into it. And it's just, I find it to be this really sweet, vulnerable um, scene that they both are participating in. And I, and I kind of feel like that really cracks the door open for the rest of the season. And that's why I love the scene so much. It's also was a tough scene to cut because, you know, blocking wise, they're moving all over this room musically or having to follow along, you know, with, with the specific song in the, in the show, you know, and, and where, where you want to be in that scene at any particular time, uh, creating the fun, the movement, the emotion, uh, the relationship, the vulnerability, all of those things happening all at once. Does Craig give you a lot of takes for a scene like that? A fair amount. I mean, I think as an editor, you sometimes always wish they had done one more to get one specific <laughs> thing. Um, but he does. I mean, he's a very he's a he's he's a very efficient director in that he really knows what he wants to get. Uh, he will continue to do takes until he gets what he wants. Um, but everything is very planned out and very efficient, uh, you know. So there are scenes where there are not that many takes and there are other scenes where there are lots of takes. Um, you know, he mo he's moving the camera a lot. Sometimes it's just physically trying to get those moments, you know, camera-wise correct. As it's flying around all the room, you know, the, you know, the poor camera department and focus puller and stuff, you know, have have a lot, a lot of work to do. So that sometimes takes a few takes. Um, and then, you know, just exploring any scene, whether it's on the set or in the editing room, um, it takes a little while every now and then, you know, Craig or some other director, I've said this to Craig, I haven't said this to other people, but I, I've said to Craig, he said, you know, why'd you use that? Why didn't you use this take or whatever? And I, and I respond sometimes with a little quip of, you know, why didn't you get it right on take one? <laughs> you know, it takes a little while to get to know the material and you can be shooting a scene. And after three takes, you change the blocking a little bit because it's not quite natural or flowing with that. And the same thing, you know, when you're editing um, a, a television show or a, a film out of order, um, you know what the script is supposed to be, but really what shows up on the day, you know, when you're watching dailies, um, it becomes something else and it becomes alive in its own way. And you have to work with the material that is there versus what everybody intended it or wanted it or is trying to make it to be, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like I use this example of like every, you know, when, when you, when you're pregnant, everybody falls in love with their baby, but they don't even know it yet, you know, and it, you think it's going to have a personality and then it pops out and it has a completely different personality. And then you fall in love with that. Uh, is this, I think it's kind of similar with a film, you know, you, you know what it's going to be, you're working at it, you fall in love with the script and the performances and everything that happens on the day. And then 
it comes into the cutting room and it has its own life and personality. And that's what you have to really mine and work and sculpt and, and get it to, to do. The second episode is really the, as you said, the episode where they meet and they fall in love. It's a very different tone from the first episode, which is when we meet uh, Rand, uh, played by Seth Rogen, uh, the contractor, and his run-in with Tommy Lee that really sets up the actions. Do you want to talk about the tone and the performances that you used to shape that first episode before we go into the love story? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, one of the biggest things was was to find each character's tone. You know, Seth Rogen is obviously known for this wonderful, great, you know, broad, hysterical comedy. And this was a very different role for him. And it was much quieter and and um, stiller, for lack of a better word, it was just a little stiller. Uh, and to find that and to make sure that, you know, that we didn't drift into other things. And, you know, I mean, because he would do things that were absolutely hysterical, but that wasn't necessarily where we wanted precisely the character to go, you know? And so, and he was all into that. I mean, he and Craig had conversations about it and, and they did specific things to do that. The same thing with Sebastian, you know, I, I, I cut a whole movie with him before. He's a very, very different character. And so, you, you know, to find Tommy Lee and to make him as unappealing as he actually is in that first episode, um, you know, it, it takes work because Sebastian's fantastic and he's charming and he's all of that. So you have to find all of those moments without making him too horrible because you want the audience to um, to empathize with him and, and, you know, be into his story as well. But he's doing just dreadful things in the first episode and he's just really a jerk. <laughs> so, you know, finding that finding that line is um, is it's just always interesting to, to walk through. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on basically the, the choices you made to portray his character in episode one and then see that shift in episode two? Yeah. Well, again, I think the scripts were really, you know, that, that was the absolute foundation and such a strong foundation for that and an unusual foundation for that. If you walk into the show, that's why I was very glad that Hulu played the first few at once, because you could watch episode one and come back a week later and you'd be like, what is this show? Um, now hopefully people would, you know, kind of move binge it a bit in the beginning. Um, to really understand the whole, the whole tone of it. It was, it was, um, it was an interesting ride. Uh, you know, episode one is very straightforward and, you know, you're sort of setting up this caper and this situation. And I think you see Pam Anderson's character very briefly twice or something, maybe three times. I can't, I can't quite remember. Um, and, and yet it's called Pam and Tommy. So, you know, and then when you get into the second episode, you don't see Seth really at all, except for uh, the very beginning, I think in the, and, and, um, and it's just very, 
different. Um, and it becomes this love story and it's in Mexico versus in LA. And there are all of these other things that, that, that add to that. Um, you know, the, so it's it sort of by nature of the story, it does that. And, you know, in editing, I think you always want to go with, uh, obviously the story, uh, secondly, sort of the DNA of what those performances are, or supposed to be. And, and you follow that road. Um, it was unusual though. I mean, they also, the, they did, they were block shooting a lot of it. So there was a little bit of jumping around within the first three episodes. So it was a little, um, nonlinear in that way, in terms of episodes one, two, and three, um, and kind of wrapping your head around where does this go? And the time, time jumps and stuff. It took a little bit of, you know, stopping and thinking about, but, um, this is fun. And how do you work with Craig? Does he stay in the editing room often? Um, so the, the, the general way we work is, um, while he's shooting, we have conversations, um, a, a lot of conversations over the phone. Sometimes he'll try to pop into the cutting room if I'm anywhere near where he might be, um, whether we're on location or LA or whatever, but we certainly have a lot of conversations. Um, this has gotten much easier over the course of time because we know each other so well. And there's just a lot of, um, trust in, in the history of our collaboration. Uh, so it's, there, there's a real shorthand in, in our communication with that. But what I try to always do, um, with him and with other directors as well, is I try to put together scenes as quickly as possible and send them right back to them as quickly as possible. They're not perfect. They may be fat. They may be not exactly right. I don't know if I'm really going to start a scene on that shot because I don't have the scene before. I don't have the scene after, et cetera. But I try to cut the scenes together and do an assembly of what I react to emotionally in the dailies. I think an editor has a is in a really unique position um, of anybody on the show where we're really the only audience member. You know, everybody else has been through all of the pre-production, all of the rewrites, all of the location scouting, all of the literal shooting and it's raining this day and you have to switch sets or whatever, or it took a long time to set this shot up or didn't or whatever. I don't know. I try to avoid the set at all costs um, because I have a lot of work to do, number one. And number two, I think it influences my uh, perception. It, you know, the second you walk onto a set, you know the geography. Well, I need to make sure that I'm the audience member knowing the geography, which means I need to watch it in 2D. So when the dailies come in, that's my first experience. Obviously, I've read the script. I try not to read the script too much. Um, you know, a lot of times there's screen directions in there, like, you know, whatever it is in between the dialogue and those screen directions don't necessarily come through on in the dailies. <laughs> and it's sometimes something it's like, well, wait, didn't he say that he reached for that? And you go, or, you know, or said that or felt that or whatever. And you go back and look at the script and you're like, oh, it was a screen door. It was in, in between the dialogue and that didn't actually happen on the day. Um, so I, as the editor get to be the audience. So I watch the dailies, all of the dailies, um, from take one to take whatever. Uh, and I try to hold on to that first reaction, my first emotional reaction to uh, a, a take, a line, a performance, whatever it is, um, as, whether it's 
genuine or real or made me laugh or made me cry or whatever. There's a very classic thing that happens where things are hysterical on the set. Everybody loves it. And when it actually comes into the cutting room and you watch it in dailies, it's not so funny anymore <laughs> or vice versa. And so everybody's like, oh, that scene was so much funnier on the day. Um, and it's not an editorial thing. It's just a translation thing. Everybody was laughing on the set. It's like watching a comedy at home alone versus, you know, with a huge audience. It's a different experience. But anyway, so I try to um, get hold and keep hold of that initial reaction for as long as possible. So I will put to the, together a scene with that in mind, send it to Craig right away um, so that he can see that the, the, the broad strokes are there, that the mostly that you know, his coverage is what he wants it to be, um, that he doesn't want to pick up something or get something else. Also that his, the tone of the performances are what he wants. Um, and it's just sort of confirmation for him, confirmation for, for me that yes, this is going in the right direction. Um, and then I get into working the scene much more closely. He will say things like at that point, uh, it, usually it's not that much, but every now and then, if it's something that's really not what he wants, or he really wants to try something else, or it's absolutely not the take I wanted, he'll, he may say something like that. But most of that is re reserved for after, um, after the shoot. So he, he gives me a lot of, of, um, independence with that first assembly. And I know him well enough that, uh, we're usually pretty close we usually pretty much agree on the performance and stuff and if we don't agree we have you know fabulous debates about it and what ends up happening is it becomes greater than either of us could do alone you know he'll he'll do something and i will add to it or have an idea that makes it better and then he takes my idea and makes it even better than that and it just keeps getting better and better than if I were sitting there pushing buttons, doing exactly what he said with, you know, no opinion. <laughs> so specific to Pam and Tommy in this case, what, what were you expecting when you started viewing the dailies? And then after watching them, what was the, um, the reaction you had? And, and did your, did your initial ideas change? Well, I was, I was extraordinarily pleased with the performances, everybody's performance. It was, it was better than I could have hoped it would be. Um, I, I, I thought it would be good. I hoped it would be good. Um, all of that was really confirmed. I mean, I think everybody, everybody, um, in the entire cast did such an amazing job and made it, made my job very, very easy to do. That was really pleasant. A scene that became much more than I anticipated off the page was the scene where she's talking to her publicist. Um, and it's, uh, I believe it's in episode three. It's, uh, the Jane Fonda scene where she's referencing Jane Fonda. I read that scene and I really liked it. Um, but I feel like the vulnerability that she, that, that Lily James had, um, with that dialogue really made me understand it on a level that, uh, I never anticipated as I read it. And, um, her, her performance in every take was, um, was just so strong. It was quiet and strong and very vulnerable. And it's the, like the little, the little eye movements and nervousness and all of these things where you, I think you're, you are really becoming aware of, of Pam Anderson and this other level of her that is so interesting. 
and it's just it's just always so much fun when that happens when it becomes more than what's literally on the page because of a performance you were editing this amid covid um how did working remotely impact your work well i had been working remotely for the previous year and a half on cruella with craig so we were which craig also directed which so i was very used to that um and you know we had we had a sort of a workflow that that worked very well. Um, as I was saying before, I I try to cut scenes together and send them to Craig, and so then we we were using um, this uh, you know these systems. There are various systems, whether it's Evercast or um, uh, Pacific Post has their own thing, um, where you can jump on and it's sort of like a, a Zoom call slash you know, editing session all at once where you can do things live. Um, and it works great. It really works fantastically. Um, and that was our routine. You know, we, we would, he'd be in his office on the other side of LA and I'd be in mine and we'd just sort of go through things and jump on and off these, um, zoom calls. Um, and it works really surprisingly well. I quite like it. Um, and I think it's going to, I think it already has changed post-production tremendously. Um, there is nothing like having your crew around and, and, uh, getting to know people. I mean, I think that on Pam and Tommy, that was one of the unfortunate things because I had never worked with a lot of the people before. Um, I couldn't, I, you know, I met them much later in the process. Um, and that was, that's tough. And the communication is tough. Um, do you want to give a shout out to your crew? Yeah, well, my my first assistant is Alex Scratch. She's fantastic. She's working with me now. She worked with me on Cruella, and she's working with me now on the project that I'm doing as well. Um, and she was superb um, and just, you know, a rock of an assistant. She's amazing. Um, and then there are other editors on the show. There were three other editors, Annette Davey, uh, Mike Gambria, I think, and Eric K Kissick. And then there was, um, Mike Manning, who was our AP, who was fabulous. He was, you know, he was the ringmaster and gathered us all together and kept everything going. And the other, it was, like I said, to be an audience member for the other episodes, um, was really a unique treat that I don't think very many people get to, get to have, um, in such a positive way. Anything else you'd like to share about Pam and Tommy? Uh, the only thing that I'm surprised we haven't spoken about is the uh, penis scene. There is this one scene that everybody always talks about that I've gotten many phone calls from, from friends saying, you, you what? What did you do? And it, it was interesting. I mean, uh, Craig, Craig always re referred to that particular character as Richard. Um, and uh, it reminded me, we worked on a film a long time ago called La Lars and the Real Girl. Uh, where Ryan Gosling falls in love with this sex doll, plastic sex doll. Um, so it's a it's a lovely film, um, despite that last description. But it's a really lovely emotional film, and and it, we would always joke about how, you know, we treated that character of this inanimate object, not that Tommy's penis was inanimate, but uh, as a character, and we cut to her close up for a reaction shot or cut to, you know, whatever. And we sort of fell back into that um, mode while working on that scene uh, where you just have to treat it as its own character. And um, 
you know, the penis was talking. So that made more sense. But it was an interesting scene to cut. I was working on it at home. And I had to explain to my housekeeper that I was not cutting porn uh, as she was walking by listening to some of the scenes, um, which was an interesting conversation. What we see, is that the full scene? It's pretty much the full scene. I mean, we lost a few lines here and there. Um, uh, but yeah, no, that's, that's the full scene. That was, you know, interesting to spend hours and hours and hours working on that one. And could you share what you're working on next? I am currently on Guardians of the Galaxy 3 at Marvel. Very different movie. (laughs) Very different. (laughs) And the last thing I wanted to touch on is just, um, as an editor, I think um, a lot of what you do is misunderstood in the community. Are there any common misconceptions that you maybe would like to talk about and clarify? Yeah, I think there are a number of uh, common misconceptions. I think unless you sit in a cutting room, you really don't understand the process and what uh, how much an editor has an influence on, on what that is. Um, you know, there are different types of cutting rooms and different types of directors. There are directors that are there all day long. Um, you know, for example, Craig, Craig and I, he lets me really put together the whole assembly and then he comes in and works with me very closely, uh, for a period of time. And then he's off again for, for a while. And so we go kind of go through these peaks and valleys of spending time together. Um, there are other directors who never come in, who don't, who, who maybe even don't really like the post process, um, and have very, very little to do with it and just send notes. Um, and, uh, you know, you have to be flexible with all of those things, but I think that people who don't, who haven't sat in the room with an editor, I always wish actors would sit in more with editors and kind of understand what what we did um, because I think it would I think it would help them understand why we make the choices we do. You know, I've had actors come up to me and say, you know, why didn't you use that take or you know whatever um, DP sometimes even you know why didn't you use that take? And it's it's always it's always for the greater good of the project. I mean, that's the thing that, you know, you, there are all kinds of choices that are made, not necessarily for a performance or a scene, but for the entire, and even sometimes not for an episode, for the entire series, you know, whatever those choices are. Um, but it's, you know, it's such a fun job. It's so interesting. And it's so, it's so different than just, you know, cutting off the, cut, cutting off the slate and the bad, cutting out the bad parts. It's a real, it's, it's like, it is, as it's been said before, it's a rewrite, but, you know, everybody's written, you know, a paper for school and you don't write it out perfectly the first time you go back and you read it and you move this paragraph up there, that paragraph down there, you, something is redundant, you have to take it out. Something is not clear. You have to add something in that whole thing is exactly what editing is. And we're, we are constantly sculpting and shaping and contracting and expanding and manipulating and, um, uh, you know, time and performance. And, you know, I can take a, not me, every editor, you know, you take a, you take a, a line from another take and you put it in the mouth with the, you know, with a picture of one and, you know, to get a different tone or inflection, you, sometimes you steal a word, sometimes you expand time, you contract time, and you're really working and manipulating these performances, um, my mother always says, it does, still doesn't understand my job. And I've been doing it for years, decades. And I always say, you know, just follow your eyes. Where do your eyes go when you're in a situation? 
are you, you don't know when somebody's going to speak. You hear them and then your eyes move to them. Well, that's a prelap. You know, you don't, you, something interesting is happening. You know, somebody's playing footsie under the table and you look under the table and you see what's happening. Well, that's part of the story of what's happening at that dinner party. Somebody's playing footsie under the table or somebody reaches for the salt shaker and, and, um, or a reaction to what is being said is far more important than what is actually being said. And that, those are all the choices that we make. And, um, and it's, it's a fascinating part of the filmmaking process. And it's, um, and we have a lot of editors have a lot of control of that. Uh, obviously with the ultimate goal of, of helping the director and the producers create the project that they intended to make. Okay, we're going to wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. And it was great to talk you with bet. you again. And uh, when Guardians 3 comes out, you'll have to uh, join us on the podcast again. Happily. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.